You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. All right, well, good evening. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to worship you and kick off another um, four weeks um, where the women are going to meet with women and really look at you, Jesus, and the Old Testament. We pray you bless their time, anoint um, the gals who speak, and may their, um, their time be rich. May uh, their conversations just uh, be fruitful. We pray for their, um, their weekend retreat that they have with all the gals coming up. The same thing. Just bless them, Lord. And um, there's so many women that work behind the scenes. Um, you've given them vision. Um, bless them, Lord, as they um, execute that vision and just, just touch many, many. May many come to know you if they don't know you, and may their faith grow and just continue to bless the women and our women's ministry here. And for us guys as well, as we're going to look at um, really some of the last words that Paul would uh, pen down. He's, a, he's an aged Paul as he writes down his pastoral epistles. But as we're going to look at, at, at 2 Timothy, there's so many things we can glean um, as it relates to being exhorted, necessary exhortations we need um, living in these very trying days. And I pray the same for our men. We had such an amazing uh, time here last night, a great, great meal a physical meal, but more importantly, the spiritual food. Um, we thank you for Matt Mayer. Bless him, Lord, his, his wife, his family, his ministry. Um, bless him for blessing us. And as we will hunker down around your word and have conversations as men, um, bless our time, Lord. Help us to be open and transparent and, and just receive all that you have for us. Uh, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, recently had a guy come up to me and he gave me that classic question, what would a older Lance Cook say to a younger Lance Cook, you know, and all of that. And, and um, as, as uh, hey, hey, can we pull in over here, guys? Come on over here. I, I, I'm spoiled. I was just with a bunch of guys that uh, we were in these really tight settings. And I, I like that. I like to smell your cologne. And I know it's like, Still not post-COVID enough for certain people, but I'm post, way post. I'm like, let's huddle. Thank you. Um, but I, I, I realized when this guy asked me this, as, as kind of corny as that question is and as predictable as it is, um, my, I really thought about, like, some of the most important things. Like, what, what really matters to me now as a, a, a man in his 60s um, I was talking about um, with the guys in Kansas City about the stages in life, and I um, talked about it almost in these thirds. I'm giving myself 90 years, and I'm like, you, you know, you got the first 30, the second 30, and then the last 30 years, and um, I'm like at the front end of that, and, you know, I don't take that lightly. I, I, I look at that, and I'm like, wow, whew, those years went by really, really fast, and I think about um, what needs to be said 
And um, I, I realized that there are, there are these dynamics that go on in different stages in life. And when, you know, I was in my, you know, 30 to 60 run, it was all about running well. I mean, that's everything I heard was about running well. And, and, and I wanted to run well. And then you get to a point where you start hearing more guys talk about a word called finishing well. Finishing well, yeah, I've been running, yeah, now the finish line's a little bit closer. And you think about the dynamics that are involved in finishing well. And as you get into that latter chapter, we're just going to call it as that, it's not so focused on yourself as the two previous runs, 0 to 30 and 30 to 60. There was a lot of, like, focus on yourself, run, run, run. And then as you get into that, that, that 60 to on forward kind of season, you begin to realize, man, I'm carrying some stuff in my heart and in my head that I, I, I look now at younger men that I so desperately want to help. I want to share these things. And as we're living in this very interesting world, if I could, Jay, if you could just go and turn an AC on, I turned them off and I'm, I got myself all hot now all of a sudden, but um, I, I, I find myself with, with more in here that I want to share with young men than what I'm sharing with younger men. That's just, that's just, it's the way it is. Part of that is when, uh, when I came up through ministry in my uh, beginning, really in my mid-20s, um, the, the whole social media thing didn't exist. Cell phones didn't exist. If you wanted to reach someone, you beeped them. You beeped them. They went to a, a pay phone and they called you kind of thing. But we did a lot more just across the table. There was a lot more men that mentored me over food. I never said no. I was, I was always looking for opportunities, and I could list off the names of the men that, that poured into me, and, and it just was, it was, I couldn't get enough. And most of the guys around me that were serious about their walks, they wanted to be part of that as well. There was just that dynamic. And I, I find that, that the younger generation, and whatever that means, that their go-to is more through personal devices than personal relationships. And, and it just changed the dynamics. And so I've had this high expectation based on coming up. I'm like, man, I can't wait to be Carl Lawrence one day. I can't wait to be whoever that other, you know, I can't wait for that because it's going to be so much like what I was in my 20s and 30s and 40s and even 50s. And and I just see it's, it's different. It's just different. We were in Kansas City, and we were there to speak to five different churches. All the men's groups got together, and some guys heard we were in town, and they, they wanted us to talk to them. Other guys, that were not all Calvaries and whatnot, and there was a, a church in town that was really hurting. They are just going through something. It was a younger church that wanted to reach the... Um, kind of like the Hollywood crowd of Kansas City and the church took off and it, it grew really fast and God has been blessing it. Um, but they, they hit a storm. Every church does and they hit their storm. And when those storms come, it really shows you where you were moored or where you were not moored. It will show you what you've prioritized or not prioritized. But 
This is a young church, young leaders, young men who hurt, just hurt. They were already hurting over the community. They were reaching the LGBTQ community. They were reaching all of the, just the, the, the lost of the lost of their, their demographic. They were reaching, still are, but there were, there were just issues. And, and all of a sudden, the, the attack from within and the attack from um, the outside and these young men who were trying to just be biblical and teach the Bible found themselves being radically attacked for the truth that they were presenting. They were being labeled in ways that they weren't ready for and they just did not know what to do. And so they, they asked if we could meet with them. And so we said, sure. So it was Pastor John Stodderly and Jim Stewart, Stan Mitchell, uh, and myself. And we sat down with these men. And as they sat down, they treated us with the, I've never had this kind of respect. It was just, they were so broken and so hurt. I shouldn't say I'd never had. It was refreshing to have this kind of hunger. And Please sit down. Every, they pulled out their, their leather-bound notebooks and had pens and were just like, please speak to us. And they, they were in tears. And, and, and the Lord spoke to me. He goes, Lance, this has been the ache of your heart. This is my heart. I want to reach. I want to bring the next generation along. You know, you're looking at all of the limitations, but look at my heart. This is where I've got you here for a reason. And Pastor John Snodley said, guys, we just want to start off by praying. But before you, you, we pray with you guys, we want you to know that collectively here, just sitting here with you, is 130 years of collective ministry. And we're not, we don't have anything over on you. We just have some miles. And I, when I spoke, I said, I, 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 don't, I don't come here in my own, with my own credibility or any of that. I, I come to you as a man who has failed as much as a man who has followed God and found some successes. But this is, and I set that up in a sobering way to help you understand the heart of Paul when he writes this final letter. So when you guys sit around and you talk, I want you to know you're taking, you're taking things that are inspired from a man that has a lot of years of ministry, a lot of hardship, and he's looking at at churches, specifically maybe the church in Ephesus and that in mind as he would be talking to Timothy because that would kind of like be his last assignment there. But he's also writing at a time where the church is under incredible persecution. The latter letters of Paul to, we call them the pastoral epistles, and they are because he's writing them to his bros, and what I mean by that, like his sons. By now, Titus has been left on the Isle of Crete to kind of set things in order with the churches there. Timothy, as it relates to the churches in Ephesus. And, and, and around 64, 65-ish, uh, there was already the, the second wave of persecution against the church by, by, by Caesar, by Rome. 
So the churches are going through a lot. The, Paul himself is going through a lot. He is under house arrest. He is waiting his execution and will f- find that as his, eventually his, his fate. It's a, it's a serious, sobering time for the apostle. And as he would you know, write these letters, um, you know, the whole idea is you break down these, these letters. You know, four years earlier, writing the first letter to Timothy, the whole focus might have been more on managing the church. Four years later, how many of you guys know things can change, like society can change quick in a couple of years? Yeah? All right. Yeah, some of you guys actually lived through the last two years. You agree that it can change. Four years later, it's this radical exhortation that he gives to Timothy. And they believe this responsibilities were the same for Timothy, but the world had changed. The church had changed. Society had changed. And so exhorting the church under the pressures that it was facing, um, opposition, the whole idea it was no time or no place for the faint-hearted or the apathetic. And so Paul is speaking directly to Timothy with this in mind, and maybe indirectly to us today. Maybe just look at it that way. And so let me just, I just highlighted some of the key things that we're going to be going through over the next four weeks. Just, just what, what, if, what if some aged man that just you knew God has used, <laughs> me and Lee walked in, I don't know, but, but just you walked in and you're like, okay, what do you have to say for us, to, you know, to us right now? What do we need to hear? We want to talk about how how the the gift of God that is in you needs to be stirred up. It's a cool topic. How about this one, that God has not given you guys over to a spirit of fear? Let's let's tackle that one. I want to talk to you about that. With my resume as Paul the Apostle, I want to talk to you about that. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or of me. Hold fast the pattern of sound words that you've heard me teach. You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Don't get entangled with the world. Be diligent to present yourself to proved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Make sure that you guys are able to rightly divide the word of truth. Flee youthful lust. Some of you guys need to really be thinking through that. Pursue righteousness instead. Faith and love and truth. Chapter 3, he'll talk about knowing the signs of the, the times in the last day. And then he'll say, you've got to continue in the word so that you would be you know, complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then the charge in chapter 4. You guys, man, you, you need to preach the word. You need to be ready in season and out of season and, and convince and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and, and teaching. Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of evangelism. Fulfill your ministry. Man, that would be a really exciting sit down over the, the, the table with Paul the Apostle. It, it just think of what he would have to say. <laughs> How fitting that would be for all of us, no matter what age we are or what station 
We are. And so I'd like to really just, you know, as we, as we move forward each week, I just, I want you to look at it in that context. Like God is bringing something to us from a very experienced, very seasoned, godly man perspective. What the church needs in the area of exhortation. So that we don't, we don't become a casualty. He'll start off, and I'm just going to summarize part of chapter 1 and give you guys time to, uh, to, to talk tonight. But some highlights here of, of uh, chapter 1. But he refers to Timothy as his son. Um, Paul and, and Timothy, you know, they, they had a very, very unique relationship. Um, there was a visible, sustainable love between these two men. After 17 years of ministering together, um, ministry had not hardened their hearts. Uh, Ministry had not tainted their relationship. Ministry had forged this this amazing lifelong relationship between the two of them. Um, Timothy, um, Paul sent Timothy to, we're going to get there pretty soon in the book of Acts, but we're going to get to chapter, you know, he's going to be with Paul. We saw him start with Paul, then Berea, then Corinth, um, and then Paul's going to send Timothy to to Macedonia, chapter 20. He's going to accompany Paul to Jerusalem. Um, Timothy was with Paul when he wrote Romans, 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, both letters to those churches in Thessalonica. Um, Philemon. Um, Timothy would frequently serve alongside of Paul as his representative and like a, like a troubleshooter. There was a lot of just trust there. Um, in, in 1 Corinthians 4.17, he says, For this reason I have sent Timothy uh, to you, who is my beloved and faithful son, in the Lord. Man. He calls him his, his brother and minister of God in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And then in Philippians 2.19, you know, he's like, I want to send Timothy to you because I, 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 I know that, you know, you guys are going to be encouraged by this guy. And so a great argument can be made that that Timothy spent more time alongside of Paul than really anybody else. And, and, and Paul had a lot of, a lot of friends. So he's his beloved son, his own son in the faith, a true child in the faith, a fellow worker, a brother, a fellow bondservant. Um, he's one that Paul would talk about in Philippians again. is just no one like this guy. He's so like-minded with me. Just this unique relationship um, that that they had. One of the things that I think we would like to to bring out is this. In the last last two weeks, I have been asked to just brought in, just like this church in KC, to sit down and just to weigh in on storms that churches are going through. And so... 
obviously I know these people, so they're calling me. We're going through this, Lance. We know you've had your storms. Can you help speak to this issue? In all of those settings, there were similar things that were said. But one of the things I said was this. Is ministry, okay, when we, when we talk about the church and, and God working through us to whatever extent to equip the saints here for the work of ministry, to reach our community, to see people into the kingdom, whatever the extent of our ministry, um, as we go through the word of God, we realize that it is absolutely relational. And oftentimes, churches will find their, their storms, they'll find their problems, whatever they might be. There's a plethora of different problems. And a lot of the, the focal point is on what they do. A lot of the focal point is on the structure of the church. Well, we have this problem, so let's look to the leadership. Let's look at the church piety, the church governance. How is it all set up? Let's look at the activity of the church. Let's look at the finances of the church. Let's look at the facility of the church. Let's look at, at the flow of the church. Let's look at the ops of the church. And oftentimes the focal point in trying to fix the problem is on what we do. How many of you guys know that at the heart of every problem in the church is a heart problem with individuals? Amen? And so all, in all cases, I just said this. The quicker you can get your focus off of what you do or what someone did and get your focus on who you are, now you're going to start getting traction. And, and this is another one of those just simple examples. 17 years later, how many, how many men in your life do you want to go... Man, do you remember? And you can remember all of these collective events over collective years. Remember when in Joshua chapter 14, we were talking about um, Caleb, when Joshua was about to give his allotment to Caleb, and Caleb was, hold on, hold on, hold on. And he's like, before you do that, remember? What did he reflect on? He, he reflected back on those years that Joshua and Caleb were in ministry together. They were... They were, they were they were the ten, they were the two, excuse me, out of all of those spies. They were the two of the ten that at that time at Kadesh Barnea were like, no, 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 we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hold on to the promises of God's word. And, and they, they did. And for those 40 years in the wilderness, that's who they were. As they came and conquered the land for five years, that's who they were. At 85, Caleb's about to finally get the promise that God gave to Abraham initially, but eventually through Moses, like, yeah, you're going to have the land. He's like, well, before, before you do that, Caleb, remember? And I just, I just want to pause there. You, we all should have some of those people in our life where we can go, hey, remember? And we should be able to reflect upon co-laboring for Jesus together to some extent. If ministry is not relational, there's going to be a problem. There's a problem with people not allowing God's love to be what it was and is designed to be. Paul and Timothy, they, they found that bond of love. And so in your, in your time of discussion, one of the questions is, do you have relationships with other men that are being forged by ministering together? 
If so, share, share some of those experiences. If not, what can be done about that? What can be done about that? I had some guys back, back east asking me, what does it mean to finish well? And I said, well, whatever the line is, whatever the line is, I think maybe you want to look around at who, who you're helping bring across that line. Who have you been investing in? I had somebody recently send me a text, and, and, it, it, and I, if I can quote it well or right, it said that success is defined like for us as leaders. Success is defined by the depth of the people that we lead. And so you look at this relationship, and just, again, that's good application, because we need these relationships. We need to be Paul to Timothy's, and we need Paul's as Timothy's in these trying days. And so uh, another thing in verse 3, um, just Paul again, just who he is, I, I thank God, uh, whom I serve with a pure conscience, um, as my forefather you know, did. So this guy, he's, he's waiting execution. Paul was able to look back over his life at this particular point with a settled soul. So if you could pause your life right now and you were like, if God gave me not too many more days, as Paul would have that conviction, could you look back over your life right now with a settled soul? As it related to his conversion, you know, he had this clear conscience. As it related to his serving, a clear conscience. And, you know, he had put his faith in Jesus, and Jesus had saved him. And he was faithful to um, the calling. We studied that in Acts chapter 9. And he could look back over his life. And, man, when it was very clear and made clear to him by Ananias what he was called to be, what he was called to do... He could look back over his life and go, yeah, that, I, I was faithful to the Lord. And then he, he, he talks a little bit about, um, you know, just his care for Timothy and as they're apart and whatnot. He's like, in verse 3, I just without ceasing, I remember you in my prayer. So just, again, Paul was a man of prayer. Jesus was uh, always pictured in Scripture as you know, praying, and um, I think that's why the disciples came and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Paul was a man of prayer. But then he also looks a little bit and gives some insight into how he saw Timothy. In verse 5, he's, he's like, when I, when I call to remembrance the genuine, genuine, excuse me, faith that is in you, which first was like in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm just like really persuaded is in you also. What persuaded Paul that, that Timothy, this, this young man that he poured into, that he was, he was genuine, he was like his faith was authentic, that it was legit, that it was consistent faith, it was true faith, it was indisputable faith, unadulterated faith. That's what this is talking about here. Well, it was, it was, he could go back and go, you know, I, I, I can remember 
like with your mom and your grandmother, just who they were and that they invested what they invested in you. But the idea is that, that Timothy had embraced that. What, what genuine faith he saw in his grandmother and mother, he's like, I realize you embraced that. It characterizes you as well. So, again, some questions that we'll have around our table. What can we do in order to produce genuine faith in our own lives? Um, and then what can we um, do to impact others with um, genuine faith? And I didn't break this down a whole lot because I might talk a little bit about this relationship Sunday morning on Mother's Day. Guys, don't forget what, what Sunday is, all right? It is, what, what is it? Church. Church, yes. You are in big trouble with mom, and, but it is church and Mother's Day, yes. The next section, verses 6 through 18, um, there's... Uh, an emphasis on not being ashamed of Jesus. It's kind of an interesting thing. In verse 8, um, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me. Um, verse 12 again, for this reason I also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I've believed. I'm persuaded that he's able to keep us. Um, and then just uh, one Zephyrus, you know, he brings up another friend who often refreshed uh, Paul. And he's like, you know, he, he, he wasn't ashamed of, of, of me and, and the, just the challenges that I'm going through and have went through. But um, again, speaking directly to Timothy, and I believe indirectly to all believers, he's going to give us um, several directives that are going to help us guard against being ashamed for Christ. Um, in verse 6, he's going to talk about renewing our gifts uh, verse 7, we're going to consider our resources. Um, in verse 8, we're going to have to accept suffering. Um, we're going to have to remember our calling in verse 8 as well. Um, and then we're going, to, we're going to have to realize our duty in verses 11 and 12. And then affirming our doctrine um, as, as well. And then in the latter part of this chapter, he's going to talk about his friends. And I think I would label that as like, Choose your friends wisely. Choose your friends wisely. As we read this letter, you get the feeling that maybe Timothy was rocked a little bit or maybe getting a little bit um, faint-hearted. We're not sure exactly all what was going on, but, um, but he starts off encouraging here. Verse uh, 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Um, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. By now, guys, I would pray, if you are born again and you walk with the Lord for any period of time, um, you should be using your gifts. And let me just play on this a little bit. To the extent where other people could go, I know you've got these gifts. Paul's like, hey, you, 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 need, you need to get back to just like what God, what's the purpose? What did Jesus save you for? How did he want to use you? What was his desire for you? And, and Paul was convinced of that. He's like, I want, I want to see that stirred up in you right now, Timothy. In order for us to be effective in, in our world right now, guys, we, it is not going to be in our, our own gifting, our own capability, our own ingenuity, our own 
oratory skills, our own whatever, our own human flesh ability, if we're going to be effective, really, for advancing the kingdom, for, for building up the church and equipping the church and building up faith of people and, 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 and walking through really difficult life in a very difficult world and give hope to people and help with people, we are going to need to rely upon the power of our God. Amen. We just are. We're going to have to, we are really going to have to be like, get over ourselves, get past ourselves. In talking with all these pastors, we were, we were kind of summarizing these different storms. We said, storms are the agendas of men. They are. When you see all these like issues in the church and problems in the church, you got, you got God's agenda, and you have God that's going to advance his agenda, which is clearly outlined through his word, through the power of his spirit, by saving people, and by gifting people, and by, by divinely placing them and empowering them. That's God's agenda. And then you have the flesh. The flesh. And the flesh is just, it's got an agenda. Does, doesn't the flesh have an agenda? Every one of you that refuse to answer me right now, you're proving me right. I'm just going to sit here in my silence and not agree with you. The, the flesh has an agenda. What's behind that? What are our enemies? What, as a Christian, tell me. Yell it out, guys. What, what's, it, what's an enemy? Pride. Self. Pride. What else? The world. Oh. The flesh. Yeah. So the biggies are going to be Satan, the world, and our flesh. And, and we could downline all of that. But, but when you, you look at the problems in a church, why am I saying this? Why am I talking to men so passionately about this? Because we will never, ever be at a time where, like, the enemy gives us a hall pass on us. Everything that, that, that God has invested in you from Sunday through yesterday until like even tonight, the second like we hear it, the enemy's like, how can I keep that from making Lance or put your name there more like Jesus, making them more effective for Jesus? And Paul knew the world that young Timothy was facing. He knew what it was like to pastor a church. He knew the Ephesian elders. He knew the church. He knew the hardship. He warned. There were problems in that church. Jesus would even write a letter to them. They lost their first love. They got away from their first love. And so this aged man with a heavy heart for the church, for his young son in the faith, knows what he needs to finish well. Man, stir up the gift of God. What are your spiritual gifts? Don't worry about other people's spiritual gifts. Don't worry about the gifts you don't have or wish you had, but don't have. Really hone in with the Lord. Pray if you don't know and say, Lord, what is it that you've, you've given me? And get busy with that. That's the idea here. To stir up in the Greek means to, to kindle afresh, to kind of fan the flame. Because God, and this gives us some perspective here, Timothy, God's not given us a spirit of fear. But of power, that's his Holy Spirit, 
and of love. When I think about love, love is the fruit of the Spirit. As I shared with these, these young men, I go, you want to know why it hurts when you see the church, family, split apart? It hurts because you love them. It hurts because you love them. So stir that up. Stir that up, that, 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 that love. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The love of God's been poured out in our hearts. Sound mind speaks of, of, of self-discipline. It's, it's being level-headed. It's, it's, the Spirit will help us keep our, our head in situations and give us the wisdom that we need to navigate through through a difficult world. So question we're going to have, which of the three qualities would most mark your Christian life? Out of those three, how can these qualities be stirred up in a Christian's life? And then lastly, in verse 8, therefore, in light of the Spirit, or God giving us the Spirit of power and love and of sound mind, Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me. Don't be ashamed. Timothy, you're going to have to be bold. You're just going to have to be bold. I had a young man, after uh, one of the studies, he came up to me, and and he he was... broken over the state of his church. He just, he goes, I don't even want to tell you where I'm from because I, I, I don't want you to look bad at this church. And he says, God stirred me up about three years ago. And we have a, a, a great church in a, in a great city. It's a, it's a, but God stirred me up and he put in my heart to just encourage other men to, to be men. What does the Bible, you know, call us to be as men? And, and I'm getting so much pushback. Men are just, they're, they're so protective with their time. And men want friendships that are rooted and grounded in hobbies and, and things they have in common other than Jesus Christ. And he goes, I just don't know what to do about that. And I go, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. You, you, you walked up to me. You have a heavy heart. And I said, just find one other man and prove to that other man that you love him. How do I do that? I'm like, that, that's between you and the Lord. Get into the word of God. Find another guy in the church that you would want to see God used to some capacity and just show that guy that you love him. Show that guy what it's like to walk close with Jesus. I said, I've bought more books than I know and given more books than I know to men and say, you want to go through this? And about 90% of them don't. But the 10% that do, the 10% that go, yeah, when do you want to meet? Yeah, when would you like to meet? Sometimes with me or sometimes with others. I go, it is so crazy fulfilling. And it's bold, especially when you get rejected a lot. You've got to be bold. You've got to be, you know, don't be critical. Don't be judgmental. Be loving. But just start with one guy. 
Start pouring into one guy. He talks about God has how he saved us and he's called us with a holy calling. This is something that's very, very important to remember. Um, we are not who we are because we have <laughs> saved ourselves. Whatever capacity we find ourselves being used by God, it is, it is a result of him. The fact that it's holy, <laughs> it goes back to him. If it was me or you that produced who we are as Christians, it wouldn't be holy. It would be rooted in something that's unholy. It's a holy calling because of the one who saved us and the one who's gifted us and empowers us and enables us. Amen? Amen. And it's a measure of grace. And it's according to his own purpose and grace. How do you know? How do you know when it's God at work and not a man. How do you know? That man will be conquered by his God. His heart, his calendar, his, it'll be like, that, that, that guy really cares like a whole lot about me and God. That guy really has a lot to say about Jesus. That guy has a whole lot to say about his word. That guy's life is all about like me encountering Jesus and walking with Jesus. It's, again, you'll, you'll, see, you'll see God's agenda mark that life. And they'll be all about you finding God's agenda. When it's all about them and all about what they want from you, and that's their agenda. But God has saved us according to his purpose. He's gifted us according to his purpose. He empowers us according to his um, purpose. And, and it's all been given to us in Christ before time began. It's, this is an eternal plan. So when you think about when did this all happen, it's eternal. <laughs> and um, in verse 11, Paul even talks about it as to which I was appointed. It's God's prearranged plan for our life, our calling, what he's called us to be, called us to do, whether that's in our, our marriage, guys, if you're married, or your family, um, or your, your, um, your ministry. And um, Paul was like, you know, I was able to endure all of these things that I've, I've been going through because... He, he lived in this awareness in verse 12. For this reason, I suffer these things. You know, there are so many people, they're Christians, that sometimes they, they, when they, whenever there's something difficult in their life, they see this unjust and they, why me? And, and it's almost like they, they, there should be no, no valleys. It should be all mountaintops. Never any negative news, never, never any bad news. But... That's, that's unrealistic. It's unbiblical. It's, it's very self-centered and, and fear-based. The, the bottom line is God is going to save us and God is going to call us and God is going to divinely place us. There's a path that he has on it and that path has valleys and mountaintops. And he uses those valleys to, to, to grow us and to mature us. And, and, and when you embrace that, like this is an eternal plan that God has before the foundations of the earth, it's 
by his grace, through his son, Jesus Christ, no matter what comes your way, you're like, I'm suffering for his sake. My life is, is his life. And that was the perspective that, that Paul was able to gain. I'm not sure he had it all along the way, but that's, where, um, that's a good goal for, um, for all of us. And then he would give the charge, hold fast the pattern of sound words in verse um, 13, which you've heard um, from me. Um, the, the, the sound words. Uh, hupotopsis is the Greek word. It's, it's used for like a, a writer's outline or like a, an artist rough sketch, which kind of set the, the guidelines for the finished product. And so for the Christians, of course, it's the truth of God's word. The truth of God's word sets the guidelines for our life. It, it portrays what his finished work for our life actually, um, actually looks like. I was stumped um, with three questions this week. And they were good questions. And they were biblical questions. And I was embarrassed. But I was stumped. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to get back to you three times. And I'm not old enough to pull the like senior moment thing. I'm just not. I'm not. I, 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 I could, if I could remember to brush my teeth, I can remember the word of God, okay? And I, and I was embarrassed. I was like, man, I should know that. And, and you know, forgive me, you know, I, and I just should have known that. Someone even asked me to repeat uh, all the, what, what are the Ten Commandments again, Lance? And I'm like, Oh, yeah, hold on. I'm trying to put the song on my head. I'm like, you know, the first five between us and God. And then I'm just like, you know, I'm sorry. I'll get back to you on all that. If you want them all in order and perfectly like as they're written. I'm just being human. I'm being honest with you guys. I don't read enough. I don't meditate enough. I never will. I never will. Because the more I meditate and I connect with the author, the more I'm like, I got to do this more. The more I read and, and the author, our God, inspires, and like, I'm like, man, i, I got to get more. I just need more. And that's a good place to be. But hold fast the pattern of sound words which you are being taught. I was listening to Matt Mayer last night, and I'm like, he kind of talks in rhymes. I could remember a lot of this stuff. You know, he says one word, then he has an antidote to that word, and then another, like, offshoot of that word. I'm like, I think I can remember all three of these words. It's kind of like a poem. But, but it, it stuck. And there was a reason I was there. There were some things that the Lord had for me. I don't have to remember it verbatim in every word, but there's things that the Lord's like, you need to remember this. And tonight there's some things. You came here, and the Lord wants you to remember something. Be awake. Be disciplined. You should be writing down. You should be having a pen out or an iPad or something. Like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revisit this. I, I put down my notes on Thursday and Friday. And Saturday, I just pour over. I, I spend usually eight to ten hours on a Saturday just pouring over again and again and again. Reading and cross-referencing and, and just praying and walking around and speaking to the Lord out loud. So that by the time I walk here on a Sunday, it's part of me. It's part of me. You don't have to have a teaching ministry to be that or to do that. This is, this is like you want to be victorious and be successful and not grow faint-hearted and cave in and compromise in a very trying world. You're going to have to put some time into God's word. Amen? Did I hear an amen? amen. Okay, yes. And, and challenge me more too, please. I am not up on a soapbox right now. I know 
that the enemy is trying to rip us off and to, to, to tear us down. And one of the ways he'll do that, guys, is to keep us out of God's word. To keep us out of God's word as, as, to the extent that we should be. So um, the good thing that, that, that was committed to you, um, keep by the Holy Spirit. Um, and then in, in the latter part of 15 through 18, um, Paul was in the ministry, but he was, it was all about people. So you can read through that as well. You probably won't get to that in your time because we need to give you your time around the table um, right now. But um, I did a study um, on friendships. Um, I was asked to do a, a, a Bible study for the men on friendships. And um, so for the last few weeks, I've been, I've been doing that. I've been looking at just friendships. What, what, are, what are friendships? We have friendships that um, form over all kinds of different things, hobbies and sports and whatever, common interests other than maybe what we would find in Christianity. But when you open up the Word of God, it is a, it is a fascinating, especially if you read and study, which I use was the, the life of Paul. But... Um, the, the common bond and the friendship that Paul had with everybody was his love for Jesus. That's it. That's it. It wasn't like anything that, that, that was about the culture. It wasn't anything about things that men did together. It was his love for Jesus. He was conquered by that and he formed relationships that were conquered by that. Um, so Go for it. You have time. Um, there's tables back there. There's some questions back there. Just finish the conversation. I'm just talking to you guys. Just keep talking. Lord, bless uh, these conversations, we pray. And um, even as we'll share with the online audience up here, um, bless our time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, guys, love you, and have a great wrap. Online audience, we're going to keep talking to you here. So just for you guys, stay tuned. Uh, in tune here. All right. Are we on, Stevie? Okay, we're on. Good. We're good? Can you hear me? All right, guys. Well, I've been talking for 26 minutes, or 29 minutes, 30 minutes. So you're on. What stands out to y'all? If you're uh, watching online, by the way, welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah. Francel to my right, Jay to my left, and um, we're uh, we we take our men's ministry very serious here. Um, um, I'm one of those guys that pastors a church that believes that uh, there is a lot entrusted to men in the area of leading and marriage and family and, and in the church. Um, and I believe that it needs to be relational. And so uh, we have, over the last uh, few years, uh, we, have, we, have, we have seen our men 
not be in seasons what men in the church should be. <laughs> and um, that really bothered us, didn't it? And um, we were like, okay, we're going we're gonna to fall in love with Jesus together. We're going to fall in love with each other together. And we're going to have a relational men's ministry. Change the dynamics of our church. And it, it is, I believe, a, a huge um, part of what God used to bring us through the pandemic the last couple of years. Mm. And so as we're you know, starting to reunite again on the side of it, it's, it's encouraging to see the guys. Uh, last night we had a whole room full of guys here worshiping the Lord and listening to Matt and bringing their friends out here and getting saved. And um, So it's good to be in a book that, uh, I don't know, a couple of men are talking to each other. Or one man is talking to his buddy, I guess. So, yeah, I think when you, we're going to go over this and is looking at that and just considering how Paul's obviously talking in the second verse saying a, a beloved son and, and you already mentioned some of the scriptures that talk about a little bit of the relationship the meeting uh, before earlier on in Acts and it's quite possible that Timothy gets saved because of Paul and just whatever. But the relationship that's forged uh, through them at that time, Paul seeing certain things in Timothy and him and uh, him traveling with Paul and just them going on various uh, missionary journeys. You can catch up on that. A lot of it's uh, Acts chapter 14 all the way through 20. And, <clears throat> and you can see. Uh, some of the things that play out, and you, and you have some other scriptures in the various epistles where Paul mentions him. And I was just sitting there thinking back about the years of ministry, the full-time ministry that I've been in for 25 years, and thinking about all the relationships that have been forged. And, and there are certain people that you end up having a, a stronger bond with, and, you, and maybe there's certain people that you see things in their life you look at Timothy here and we get a picture of him. You mentioned some of the things that here's somebody who maybe uh, is, seems to be timid, somebody who's fearful. There's a lot of things that are mentioned in regards to Timothy and being somebody who's shy and is, Paul's just trying to stir him up. And, and, but Paul saw potential and he saw something in him. And, and I think you know, when, again, there's so many different things that, that go on throughout our time in ministry. But God brings these people into your lives, and it's important to forge those relationships and to to ask God, and, and as we go through this, you, know, you already mentioned, like, there's a Paul, there's a Timothy, and there's that relationship, and, you know, who is my Paul, or maybe who can be a Timothy to me? And he's going to talk a little bit about that later on, about committing certain things to, to others, and and it's just, yeah, that's the church. The, the church reproducing itself and, and developing those relationships. And exactly what you're saying about the men, we weren't necessarily seeing that with our men. Uh, we were seeing just some things laboring on. And, and it was like, okay, what does Lord really, what do you want us to do? And changing things up and not just to change things up, to have, guest speakers and different worship and and whatever but how can we pull these men together uh, so that they can do what you're seeing outlined here and so um those are some of my initial thoughts and, and so many people came to mind uh, throughout my years and 
and being around and and uh, seeing and it's and it's so cool to think of myself now being a, a little bit older as well um tony dungy i went and saw him what was it two years ago and uh, tony dungy if you don't know he's um, was a pro football coach a hall of fame coach and uh, coach super bowls and and he was sharing and he said obviously he looks at everything according to sports and football <laughs> and so and when you talk about life the average lifespan of a, of a male is 72 years and so he said so every quarter is 18 years so 18 years the first 18 years that's the first quarter then it'd be uh, 36 and then 54 I'm coming up at the end of third quarter <laughs> You're already in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, yeah. <laughs> Time is ticking. And after 72, you're in overtime. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. so um, you know, and it just happens. But all what God, all those people that God brings into your life along the way are important. And important that we're able to pour into them and, and develop these things, uh, these types of relationships. But anyways, there's a lot of things, a lot of thoughts. <laughs> You know, I'm looking at, um, as you're talking about relationships, I'm looking about Paul, and he's encouraging Timothy to be bold. And I'm seeing Paul being bold with Timothy. So he's not encouraging him to do something that he's not doing himself. You know, and we know that Paul's bold in, in sharing the gospel, but it takes boldness to go to a brother. And tell him these things. I think about that. Like any man that enjoys confrontation with another man, I think that's an issue. <laughs> you know, I don't think Paul enjoyed doing this. I think it was it was out of love and, and his boldness to, to come to a younger brother, a younger son, and encourage him to like, I think about, like, if, if someone told me these things, that would hurt. And Quite it, the challenge. Yeah, and it's, it takes boldness to have that type of relationship. And so he's encouraging Timothy to do the things that he's doing. I, I, I'm being bold with you, Timothy, because I love you. And Paul's showing that. I think about, therefore, remind, I remind you to stir up the gift which is in you through laying of hands. For God is not giving us a spirit of fear but a power of love and a sound mind. He's telling, like, he, I, I, see, I see you're a little fearful. Like, what man wants to hear that from another man? But Paul, out of love, and you think about you know, you, you, what you were talking about, this is the end of his life. And at the end of your life, you're talking about being in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter, wherever we're at. He starts thinking, like, I, I don't want to mince my words. I don't want to, I want to be direct. And it's a, it's a short letter. I read it today and the whole thing, and it, it was 20 minutes at the most for the whole read. So it, it, it didn't, he, he didn't give them a bunch, but it's jam-packed with exhortation in boldness. And I think about that. I think about, you know, when we talk about relationships, you know, Lance, I think about you, and um, you talk about being in a relational church. You have to be relational. <laughs> Mm-hmm. If you're going to stand up here and say that over and over and over, if if eventually, if I didn't see you being relational, I'd be out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we have to, we have to be who we say we are. And Paul, 
is who he says he is. And I think that's where the power of this is. And that's part of your question. How do we, you know, stir up these genuine faith? Well, I, I got to have that genuine faith. I got to be willing to live these things out. And the, 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 those things are, are what, you know, let's stick with the rhyme, right? Those things are caught, not taught. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these things were, were, were caught watching Paul do ministry. And, but I, I really do appreciate the relationship aspect of uh, Paul and Timothy here and, and how hard it would be to be either one of these guys, you know. And I appreciate the, the, the men in my life. It's never been easy when someone's pointed out something to me. And I've never, like, you know, walked away from that at that moment and said, thank you, Lord. But, I, but I've always prayed through it. And, and, and I've always gotten to a point, thank you, Lord. And I think th- this, is, this is a great relationship to model. I like the, uh, the dynamics between uh, Paul and Timothy in that, um, you know, over the years being raised in the church, there's been plenty of uh, men that I could just say almost every time I encountered them, they wanted to talk about themselves. They wanted mm-hmm. to talk about the wonderful things they're doing for God. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, they were wonderful men. It's worthy of, yeah, this is who I am. This is what I do. And, um, and then, you know, as I, as I grew older, I, I just realized there were, there were other people that their, their focal point wasn't so much on just themselves when I talked to them. It was they wanted the focal point to be on me, and I was uncomfortable as maybe a junior high and high school age when that would happen because they, they, you're a Christian, right? Yeah, well, then they wanted to encourage me in my walk. They wanted me to glean from them and learn from them so that I wouldn't experience the same struggles or pitfalls maybe that they they had. And, and when a guy was, you know, and, you know, when you're younger, you want someone to be at least halfway cool, you know, it, it, they could, someone could come to you in a very condemning way and do that mm. and just very matter of fact and, and, and no grace. Um, and, and I had, I, I, I could think of some of those. Um, but then the Lord just brought a few people into my life. Um, one was my youth pastor, Rick Dana. And he, he really wanted to see me be what, what, what the scriptures mm. call us to be as a young man. And he went, he went out of his way to be a friend. He went out of his way to ask my parents, <coughs> you know, can I take Lance surfing? And, and they knew. They knew what it was all about. And, ah, this guy's going to pour into him. And, um, and along the way, you know, as I would even begin to, to, to get into the ministry, like Timothy would be brought along with Paul. And um, Paul would meet him there on his, you know, his missionary journeys and, and calls him a son of the faith. They believe he led um, Paul led Timothy, uh, you know, to, to understand who Christ is and all that. But uh, there's this, you know, these 17 years where something along the way, the dynamics between them worked. Mm. And that's important because uh, especially if we're, you're, you're maybe somebody out there that wants to mentor someone, um, I think it's important to understand you got to reach them where they're at and build the bridge and and 
even in this first chapter, Paul's not just challenging him. He's, he's encouraging um, Timothy to, to be some things he's already seen him be, to do some things he's already done. He's already seen his faith. He's already seen it's genuine and he's complimentary. And, and I think that's important as well as to, to draw out of people what God has done and, and, and to um, put a spotlight on that and to compliment that while at the same time saying, continue in that. Um, and I know that uh, even, you know, to this day, I don't care who it is, I, I receive so much more from people that um, say it with a smile and are encouraging, even if it's something that might, you know, make me feel a little challenged. Yeah. And when you talk about, um, you know, you're wanting to, men- to mentor somebody, and you look at what, what happens with Paul. Uh, Timothy was on his heart. And as he mentions here, that he prays for him night and day. He hasn't stopped praying for him. And who's God putting on your heart? You think about, like, who should I mentor? Well, who has God put on your heart? And begin to commit them to prayer. And then you, as you mentioned, what do you see in their life? And those are the things that you affirm. So oftentimes you see in the Bible where they recount how God moved in the nation of Israel. Here... Paul's recounting how God was moving in this one person, but giving a history, even going back to his own grandmother and and mother and saying, man, this faith, this faith has just been displayed and see it, it's in you. And I'm positive it's it's Mm -hmm. in you. And these are the things that... Reassurance that that would have been, that would have been awesome. And I remember, I remember, I think it was around the time I was, I don't even know if I was in ministry yet, but it was probably 25, 26 years ago. Um, but somebody told me that, you know what? You're so faithful. I've never forgot that. I've never, and I wanted to emulate that. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that stuck out to me. I didn't think I was, I was faithful, but for somebody to come up and tell me that you're so faithful and somebody that I respected somebody that, that I looked up to, to tell me that, it, it encouraged me to want to be faithful. And, and I look at how this is, would stir Timothy up you know, to hear these things. Of, and just a reminder, and again, he's probably in fear, as it kind of mentions, and maybe he's starting to doubt some of those things, and he's just reminding him of the faith and what God's been doing. And man, these things are evident. It's, it's even in your history and it's brought you to this point, and so don't give up. I think it's important to, to, to look for those people who not only believe in you, that's important, but, um, you know, in, in verse 8 where Paul's like, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, this prisoner, but share with me in what? In the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Find those people... Um, you know, I talked about just man's agenda and God's agenda, but they're really, they're really conquered by God's agenda. And they, they want you to be conquered by God's agenda, by God's plan for you. Like, you know, there's, there's a, there, there are people who, um, who want you to follow them. <laughs> and, and they, you know, they can maybe draw people to themselves. And we see that in, in certain ministry models where maybe it's about a, a, a personality or about a, a person, the names up on the stage behind them and everything. Everything's about that person. 
Um, I don't, I don't want to weigh in on that, but I do want to say if you want to really grow and have um, someone pour into you what you need poured into you, uh, look for those people who um, understand what God's plan is and, and basically say, hey, let's pursue that together. And um, I'm not going to just sit here and tell you what to do. No, I'm going to I'm going to walk through this same, you know, calling of God for us as His sons, you know, with you. Um, and and I'm going to share my experiences, and you're going to share your experiences. And obviously, if someone's walked with the Lord for uh, more years than um, the other, they're going to have more experience. But uh, and that's great. That's that's the advantage. That's the the beauty of finding a Paul, someone that's got some years um, and some some experience. You know, I referenced these young men who were hurting, and I, I loved it. I saw the tears, and um, I went up to each one when I'm done, and I'm like, man, oh, God, ain't done with you guys, man. Mm. There ain't no ways done. You're you you hurt. Mm. That's great. If you weren't hurting, man, I'd be really you know <laughs> troubled. But and I go, me too. I'm hurting. I'm watching you guys. I'm crying. You know, I'm all, but, but we're here for you. I don't, I don't know y'all, but we're here for you. We want to walk through whatever God would have us um, walk through together. I think that's a good perspective as well. You know, as, as um, a mentor, if you're going to mentor or you're, or you're finding a mentor, like here, like it shows here that the standard is the word of God. And these guys should, as a mentor, you shouldn't be giving your opinions. You should be giving the word of God. And you shouldn't be using the word of God to direct, but give them to, to illuminate some stuff that they would, they would have the, the proper tools to make their own decisions and walk you through. And um, a proper mentor does that. And I also think, you know, um, talking with a guy who was asking these questions like, you know, a um, little discouraged and like, you know, um, in mentoring, in, in using the sports analogy, told him, I said, you know, be, being a mentor is, is a lot like baseball. You know, baseball, you do great if you hit three out of ten. <laughs> you know, because he, he says that here. He tells you, he, Paul tells you, this you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me. You know, and he's like, how does that not discourage you? I said, it doesn't discourage you because you have a Timothy, a mm -hmm. Timothy who is who is a, a grand slam in the World Series. <laughs> you know, if you find those guys that that's what fuels you in, in, in protecting it, as even um, Matt talked about that guarding our hearts that we wouldn't we would he, he's not throwing things at him. He's, he's not saying anything bad about these people that left him. He's just saying this is, these are facts. But he's, he, he's encouraging Timothy. And um, again, just, just knowing that, that we, we will more, more times than not strike out in these areas. <laughs> but God will always encourage us. He'll always uplift us with the ones that the one ball we hit <laughs> because it is it is such an awesome thing to watch someone like Timothy to walk with the Lord to see um, the heritage he has in his in his leaving so um, 
yeah, those are a couple of things I thought about when, when mentoring. Um, how, how can we uh, encourage people to forge the right kind of relationships? What would be, I mean, just in our own church, if someone came here and said, man, I need to, I need to build some relationships with other men. How would, what, what advice would we give them? I think uh, Francois had mentioned, you know, obviously predicating on the Word of God. And you know, a lot of times, I think, in, in, uh, in a lot of Christians' lives, we can get together and we term fellowship. <laughs> That's getting together. Um, but, but just making it a point to be, um, to, to be centered on the Word. And everything doesn't have to be all overly spiritual, but, but just to make sure that it's, it's Christ-centered and directed and, and just having the, the, that, I think, and then also displaying a realness. Um, you know, I mentioned genuine faith, and I think being able to display that genuine faith and just, I, I think when when we are with people, uh, sometimes people get the perception like that they're the only ones going through things and not mm-hmm. understanding that we, we all go through things. But I think sometimes even myself as, as a leader can give that perception that, well, I got it all together. You know, I don't, I never sin. <laughs> I never do. I never struggle with those, those things. I never want to kill somebody on the street. <laughs> like it, it's, and so it's, you know, sometimes you get off that perception and, and just to be, real and just uh, people know that you struggle that I don't always get along with my my wife and my kids and and there's tension in the home and and those types of things and um, but we work through it and and just to know that hey we're we're all trying to work together and I think some of that what if a, a leader or a pastor is listening here and they're like like one of the guys who came up to me and Casey, and he's like, I'm not real relational. I don't know how to build relationship with mm. men as a, as a leader or pastor. Maybe someone on staff. Maybe someone's listening here. What would, you guys, what would you guys recommend? You know, Proverbs says, to have friends, you must be friendly. Mm-hmm. And so, um, pastor, staff member, anybody. Because we, we have people that come up and say, oh, I'm... You know, sometimes there's certain people that just get invited and some people don't get invited. Like, be the one that invites. <laughs> Go out, you know. There's, there's a couple that, that told me, uh, we come to church, and I said, well, you look for a, you, you look for a family and you invite them. Mm-hmm. You be that. That's what Proverbs tells you. You be that person. So whether, whether you're, you could say I'm an extrovert or an introvert, whatever, i got to be bold. I got to be bold. I got to be a friend to make friends. I have to step out of my comfort zone. Some people do that easily. Some people don't. But that's the, the, the gospel here. The, Paul's exhortation doesn't allow us to sit back and say, that's somebody else. That's my job. That's my job. I would tell that person, put yourself out there. Almost like Jay said, be vulnerable with people. Hey, can we have dinner? Look for someone in your church that you, 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 you see that has a good marriage, <laughs> that has, you know, does good parenting, whatever it would be that you would want to 
get a little bit rubbed off on yourself as well, invite them to dinner. Invite them, invite them to lunch after church. Meet them, right? I, I've heard, you know, both of you guys, hey, I'll meet, meet me here Wednesday before service and we'll have dinner here. You know, have dinner here. Have, um, but I believe that the, the onus of responsibility has to be on each one of us individually to reach out to people. If we're going to have these genuine, we can't say my community is not like that. Well, it's on me to develop that. And I think, you know, people will use that, like you mentioned, introvert and those types of excuses. Well, that's not my personality. That's whatever. Make it your personality. Like you, you, as a Christian, as a leader, you're not afforded to be in the background. Now, it's not everybody's not going to be completely in the foreground, but I can't use that as an excuse uh, to grow. It's not like I get married and like I, my wife has needs and I'm like, well, I just don't really talk. <laughs> I don't communicate. Like, like you're not going to be afforded that. You get put into roles and you took on that role. You call, you took on the role as a Christian and you need to, to step forth. I, I worked in a grocery store for years and think about you need to know customer service. You need to know it. And we, all, we had this one thing called the Foursquare policy, and, that, and Foursquare had to do with not the church, but the tiles on the floor. And anybody came within four squares of you, four tiles of you, you were to say, hi, may I help you? Let me go and take you to whatever you need. And, and you were, that was your job, and you were supposed to do that. There wasn't an excuse why I'm, I just don't do that, I don't talk to people. No, then go find a different job. And, and so you did that in the world, and how much more for the cause of Christ? And we just have to get over ourselves. And, and being a Christian, especially being a leader, it's not about me. It's about um, Warren Wiersbe, when he talks about ministry, defines ministry, and it's defined as people. How do you define ministry? People. And it's about people. And it's not about you. It's about others. And so I think, uh, I think that's probably what I would say. You know, the disciples had really, other than some fishing in common, not a lot in common, but um, Jesus got to a point in John 15 where he's like, hey, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. And he says, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. And the picture of that is it's no, no longer this relationship where you're not in the know. It's a relationship where you're now in the know. So who initiated that? He did. He called them. He found them. He, he brought them into this sphere of new relationship that they never would have experienced on their own. Um, and as I, I shared with this, this one individual, I said, you know, um, when, when we understand what biblical friendship is, he is our model. And so uh, we might be you know, great teachers as pastors, whatever, from a pulpit. We might be great orators, is what I said, from a pulpit to a pew. But when we get to that point of tending, what makes a person follow? Is it our great oratory skills? Or is it that we love them? And, and so he laid down his life for them. He opened up his, he was transparent to them. They weren't this you know, I'm the master, you're the student, I'm the master, you're the slave. It was more of a, a loving servitude that he 
put on, he initiated um, from the very beginning all the way through to the last night when he washed their feet. Um, and I, I just explained to this guy, you guys would understand the term. I said to him, I think it might be a good time just to apron up. And, and he's like, what's that mean? And I'm like, exactly. So I walked him through um, the nuances of body life in the sense of how when a church grows and it gets established, people will put you on a platform and uh, even pedestals and uh, give you titles. And, and, and sometimes you can just take that and, 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 and become something in the body of Christ that, that's distant and, and detached. Um, and, and, and oftentimes they expect that. And so it's great if you diffuse all of that and, and work on things that um, intentionally that would bring you down to their level and walk with them and, um, and know them. And, and don't be surprised if you start getting a lot more traction in those relationships um, where you're serving them and loving on them than you would from just pulpit to pew. So um, if you're in a church that uh, it just is, it's, it's, it's separated by positions and, and, and all of that, really, really pray through that and, and don't, be, um, don't buy into all that. Build relationships. Build friendships. Initiate those friendships and uh, make sure they, they focus on the word, as we talked about. As Jay said, be praying for those people. Um, get to know them. Be transparent to them. Um, this takes time. Build trust. And um, don't be surprised if you, you find yourself in the fourth quarter <laughs> looking back over your shoulder and you've got lists of friends in Romans 16, Paulus 33 friends, just somewhere with him in Corinth when he's writing the letter, somewhere in Romans, but 33 friends uh, that he uh, made in ministry. Mm. Um, and so you can have Christian friends that in friendship that you do other things together as Christian friends, but if you really want unique to all of other relationships, uh, ministry relationships, co-labor together, do something together and don't we love that here in the sense of uh it's part of why we do a lot of things with food because it brings all these guys in into our kitchens and around our barbecues and our commercial sinks and and and, and, we're, and it's 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 some of the more joy-filled rooms on the property at times um guys in the parking lot they have great friendships great relationships that formed in parking cars in 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 ushering in we can go across the board in the different relationships that are formed by doing ministry um, together. Well, um, Jay, I'll let you pray it out. Thank you for uh, tuning in with us. The girls are about done down on that end, and we're going to close it up online here. We love you guys. Uh, we will be here on Sunday, Mother's Day. Not sure what I'm going to be teaching on yet. I'm working on a couple things, so if the one doesn't work, I'm going to use the other one. But anyway, uh, we love you guys. God bless. All right, well, enjoy that you guys uh, listen in, and hopefully you guys are getting a lot out of these these times when we do online stuff. Um, and again, you may have a person, maybe as we were speaking, as they're teaching, the Lord put somebody on your heart, and and maybe God's calling you to become a mentor, uh, to be somebody that's going to reach out to, to somebody. And 
go back over the passage and you can look and see once again how God, how God used Paul in Timothy's life. Uh, there's somebody that uh, Timothy was put on his heart. He began to pray for them. He reached out to him, encouraged him, reminded him of, of faith and saw a genuine faith, but also uh, saw that he was gifted and, and encouraged him in his gifts um, and then encouraged him not to give up. And But then also said, come along with me and, and let's we'll suffer together and we'll go through uh, this together. And, and that's in a nutshell what's, what it takes to, to become that mentor. And so uh, maybe, again, God's putting somebody on your heart or maybe you need, to, you want to be mentored. You want to walk this life with somebody and, and uh, maybe it's, it's going to be you reaching out and putting yourself out there uh, for to somebody. Uh, but let me go and pray and uh, please let us know if you need any information, you'd like to talk to us and get more direction in regards to this. Uh, Father God, we just come before you, Lord, we thank you for your day, we thank you for all that you do. And Father, just lift up uh, each and every person, Lord, that is listening online, and um, we ask that you would be with them, that you would just have your hand upon their lives, Lord, that you uh, would just, uh, that we would understand our roles, Lord, as uh, whether it be a Timothy, whether it be a Paul, whether it be, even though it wasn't mentioned tonight, but a Barnabas, and and those that, so many different types of relationships that, that you afford us, Lord, and you provide for us. And just may we take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, whether we are those that are going to be pouring into somebody and just walking alongside those and encouraging them. Or, or we need uh, a little bit of encouragement because we're discouraged, that we're fearful. We're just in a place that we're doubting. Uh, maybe we're like that, that Timothy and, and just need to be spurred on. Uh, whatever it may be, Lord, just may we not let the study go by uh, the wayside and, and just whatever you minister to us, that we act upon it, that we just take bold steps of faith in, in whatever direction that you are, are prodding us, Lord. Father, just be with us now. We love you. We thank you and praise you as you go before us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, God bless you guys. Hope to see you again.